0: You know, you're hard pressed in, in the Bible to find a graduation ceremony. And trying to think about a message for this Sunday, trying to be appropriate and relevant for our for our <clears throat> our youth and young adults that are graduating from college or high school and how do you communicate to them and and uh, try to find that that, 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 that that text, that particular text. There's not one. There's not a graduation ceremony in the old testament or in the new testament per se. And so I have to kind of look and get creative and think about it because I think graduation ceremonies may be very westernized and, and so forth, but I think that there are many graduations that take place in life. There are many times that we graduate in life, and I don't care from what time in history you began, what, where, where in history you began, or what culture in history that you live, there's constantly people graduating in life. They're graduating in jobs, they're graduating in careers, they're graduating physiologically, they're graduating, there's constantly changing and there's something that happens when we move and we graduate from this, where we have been for so many years, to this, the next chapter as some call it, the next phase of life. Anthropologists call it the rite of passages. There are different rites of passages that we go through in life that As we go through those rites of passage, the thing is is that you can never go back. It's like a a threshold in life. Once you graduate from this uh, uh, area phase, chapter in life, you will never go back to that again. I can remember the very first trip home from college. And uh, when after going to college and moving away and then coming back, how my younger brother had taken over my bedroom. And uh, what a feeling that I had. All my stuff had been politely by him put into his old room and just put in there. And it was my job to find, I guess, a temporary home for that in in his old room. I was ready to go back to my room. I was ready to go back to the way I thought it was because my room was the better room. And it wasn't that way. I had gone through a threshold. I had gone through a passage in my life and never would I go back. And I can remember even the feeling, being in the home and eating in the home and listening to the stories around the, the the table. It was just never, ever going to be the same again. I'd gone through a rite of passage. I'd graduated, not only from school, but I'd also graduated from that home. And I it just got my curiosity going out, uh, just thinking globally about rites of passages that that this world goes through. And there's all kinds of rites of passages. Again, every culture has them. Every culture has this graduation of, of sorts that, that goes on. If you think about the Bomber people, who we're doing a lot of our work with right now, there's a certain female circumcision that goes on, and it's a rite of passage that they go through. In fact, I want to show you a picture of some girls that are actually going through that ceremony uh, not long after our group of ladies had gone there for the very first time. It's a certain rite of passage that they go through. And from that point on, they're marriageable uh, of age. They're of age to marry. And so it's an interesting thing that they'd go gone through a graduation ceremony at that point. But this goes on in many other cultures. You go to the East Africa and you think about the Maasai tribe of East Africa. What they'll do is they, they will do the exact same thing that the whole male and female circumcision thing goes on there, but they even add a little bit more to it because the cow represents the real wealth of that culture. They take the dung of the cow. Yes, I did say dung in church on Sunday. But the dung of the cow, and they will dye it a certain red color, and they will smear it into the men's hair. Okay? Now, you got to hang with me here because that's a sign of wealth. Okay? So these guys have matted into their hair, into these dreadlocks, This cow manure that is a symbol of this rite of passage that they're going through. But it doesn't stop there because an elder will then slaughter a black oxen in the village because their homes are made out of cow dung and their hair is now done up with cow dung and they smear cow dung on the. It's very much a symbol of wealth. And so they'll take this black oxen, they'll they'll, they'll sacrifice it, and then they'll take the blood of that that oxen and the, the... also some, some, uh, some milk from the, from the oxen, and they'll mix it together creating some kind of Maasai cocktail. And then they will drink this Maasai cocktail. Are you sick yet? All right. They'll drink this Maasai cocktail, and then the elder will spit it out across you. And you thought an, e- uh, an ACT test was tough to go into the next stage of life. Listen, you got it in your hair, it's all, that's their culture. Again, it's their rite of passage, it's that threshold, it's that graduation ceremony into adulthood. It'll never be the same again in your life. You can go on and talk about the Jews and the bar mitzvah and how at 13 or 14 years of age they step into that becoming the son of the law and how they go through a certain ceremony and how, how indicative that is of their culture. Or the Kikuyu also of East Africa and how they'll take the placenta Uh, uh, from from the birth of a baby and go out and bury it into an uncultivated field and then cover it with grain and grass to ensure the strength of the child and the continued fertility of the mother. These are all rites of passages. These are all graduation ceremonies that different cultures go through. Now, what is it about this that communicates to our graduates today? And maybe you say, I'm all along past it. That's irrelevant to me. You know, again, we are constantly graduating in life. It may be a job promotion. It may be a job change. These are all things that we go through, and we'll never go back to what it once was. Maybe it's sending the kids out of the house, and now you're you're graduating, you're crossing the threshold into the empty nest. Maybe it's a grandchild. There's all kinds. In our American culture, we have all kinds of And I just thought of just a lot of them. Here's birth, entering school, baptism, puberty, driver's license, first kiss, graduation from school, college graduation, marriage, birth of a child, uh, different physiological changes that we go through, grandparents, retirement, buying the RV and spending the children's inheritance. That's something you go through in life. All of these are graduations that we go through that mark our life and that we look back on. But what is it that's beyond this? What's beyond the, the gowns and the degrees that we may get in life? I want to tell you a story from the book of Joshua chapter 1 so you can find that chapter. You'll find it in the Old Testament. You'll find it as one of my favorite passages of Scripture. And I say that so often, but it is one of those that I go to again and again for inspiration. Because anytime God graduates me, anytime God sends me through a threshold, anytime God does something new in my life, anytime God gives me something new, I think about what Joshua must have been feeling. Because I think Joshua was feeling and going through a a, a, a sense of graduation. He was graduating from Moses the Moses School of Leadership Development. Because he's been under the in the shadows of Moses for so long. Moses, the great prophet, the great patriarch of the whole of, the, of our faith, and wrote the first five books of the of the Old Testament. I mean, he is a rock solid pillar. But yet, shadowed by by Moses for so long is Joshua in his tutelage, right under his wing. He wasn't a kid. He had grown up. He was a he was well into his life. But now Moses dies. And all of a sudden, God turns and He looks at Joshua. He says, Joshua, you're graduating today. He didn't say it in those words, but He states a very obvious fact because He looks at Joshua. And in chapter 1, verse 2, He says, Joshua, my servant Moses is dead. Now, was this something new to him? Did Joshua not know this? I don't believe that this was like a revelation an epiphany. I mean, I really believe that this was something that Moses, I mean, Joshua already knew. But now God is just bringing up the fact that no longer is the leader who once was the leader who was once that patriarch. No longer is he around, and it's time for a new leader. And this new leader is going to be you, Joshua. You're graduating today. Take off the cap and gown and let's move on in life. And you know, I think for some people, it, it, when it comes to graduation ceremonies and so forth, they're graduating from high school. They're graduating from college. Or they're graduating from uh, you know, uh, from medical school. They're graduating from law school. They're graduating you know, from being single to being married. You know, so many of us are graduating from something instead of seeing it as a graduation to something. And here is a time in, in 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 Joshua's life where he is graduating the Moses School of of leadership development, and he is not just graduating from that school; he is graduating to something. And I and I was thinking when I was out running yesterday and thinking about the the, the message and kind of playing it in my mind. I thought, you know, I I think about some of the friends that I had in in, in high school, and literally the highlight of their life has been was. Saturday morning when they got their name in the paper from the Friday night football game before. That was literally the highlight of their life. And then they stepped out into adulthood, and then we just had our 20-year uh, reunion last year, and some of them are still living in the dreams and the, and the visions and the victories of yesterday. And literally, the highlight of their life was 12th grade. What a disappointment. Listen, I don't want to be one who graduates from high school, from college, From seminary, I want to graduate to something. God, what are you doing? That's exactly what Joshua does. He graduates to something, and God says, Listen, Moses, my servant is dead. I need you. So, as I look at Joshua's graduation ceremony here in this short commencement address, I have to think as you've moved your family from place to place, as you've changed homes, as you've changed jobs, as You've entered into relationships. What, as you've crossed through that threshold, what is God doing in your life on the other side? Or is everything that's been big in your life in history, in the pages of history? I hope not. If you look at Joshua, what are some opportunities that our graduates have today? Again, again, I'm not just talking about these graduates on the front row down here. I'm talking about you, the graduate of life. You're graduating from... Maybe you're crossing over a decade in your life this year. Maybe you're crossing over a stage, a period of your life from career to retirement. You know, what is it that you're moving from and through and to that you're going to? What is it the opportunity that may be out there for you? Joshua had three of them. You might jot them down because you might find them as well in the next threshold of your life. One, because there's the honor of leading others where they have never been. You will be given opportunity to lead others where they've never been. There's an honor that comes with graduation. We have the potential of being a leader. We have life experiences. We have educations that are on the back side of us that we can draw from, that we can build from, that we can use as catalytic moments in our life to build from, that we can actually have the honor of leading other people where we've never been. Where they've never been. Where they've never been, they've never experienced, they've never tasted. Look at verse, verse 2 in, in following with me as I begin reading in Joshua chapter 1. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise and cross this Jordan and you and all the people to the land which I'm giving to them, to the sons of Israel and every place on which the, the sole of your foot treads, I have given to you. Just as I spoke to Moses from the wilderness in this Lebanon and even as far as, as the great river and the river Euphrates and all the land of the Hittites and as, as far as the great sea toward the, the setting of the sun, all of your, all of your territory, no man will be able to stand before you in all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. He gets the commission. He gets an opportunity that we would hopefully, many of us, long for, and that's to be a leader of, of people. And as, as He is given us this, this baton of leadership, and as soon as, as you get your diploma from the school, don't see it as a piece of paper, see it as a baton. That you're not graduating from, that you're graduating to, and where is this baton going to take me? And so as, as, as He's handed this baton in leadership, He's handed the same commission that was originally given to Moses, but because of sin in Moses' life, God did not allow him to lead them into the promised land. So he's giving that baton to Joshua and he's saying, now it's your job. Take them where they have never been. You've been there yourself. You were one of the spies that went into the promised land, one of the two that came back and said, we need to go for this. And everybody else had cold feet and were scared to death and afraid to trust God. But you are one of the ones who went there, so you lead people there. You lead them there where where they have never been before. And Joshua affirms this in Joshua 3, 4 when he's telling them to get ready to go into the Jordan River. He says, for you have not passed this way before. He reminds them they haven't been on this road. And here's Joshua out in front of them. You know, I I realize that education is very valuable in you really can go much further without education, but your education will not determine whether or not you succeed or fail. Let me say that to you again. Your education will not determine whether you succeed or fail. Education will only give you a framework in which you can succeed or fail. You can take that education and use it and apply it and build on it and let it be a framework for your life, or you can say that, that it was just an education. It will, it, if you have a degree from a certain place, that's not going to fix the problem. That's not a guaranteed fix in your life. It will only give you the framework. You will then have to step up to the plate and become the leader that God wants you to be. Now what does that require of you? What does that look like for you and I? It's got a couple of things that it's going to require of us. To, required for this honor of leading people where they've never been is you're going to have to get up for God's call. Notice what he said. He said, Arise. He calls him to get up and get off a of dead sinner. He says, Arise, and my servant is dead. Now arise, get up, get ready. I'm going to do something. This is a, a call to activity. This is a call to, to, to quit setting still. This is a call, a call to get out from under the shadows of Moses. This is a call for, for leadership. Arise. So many times I think we give God excuses for why we can't arise and why we can't do this and why we have all of our limitations and why we don't have this and don't have that. And God's calling us to get up. I'm calling you to something. What is it that He's calling each one of you to? I don't know. Figure that out. Get on it. Arise and get up and start doing it. Get up for God's call. So many times I'm afraid we just give God all excuses why we can't do something. Are the excuses I'm giving, here's a question for you, are the excuses I'm giving God directing me away or my fear from moving forward? That's something that you have to ask yourself. The excuses I'm giving, or is it God directing me away and these are legitimate excuses that God has given me, or are they just merely excuses So, because I'm afraid to move forward? Joshua was told to get up, to get out from under the shadow, and to become the leader that he has never been before. Also, he calls us to step out to step out into God's direction. He says, arise and cross the Jordan. He says all this in verse 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and cross the Jordan. Now, that was a very specific place to go. He could have said, arise and get these people off of dead center and take them somewhere. But it wasn't that. The call was to go to the promised land. The problem was is that there was a swelling, overflowing, flooded Jordan River between them and the promised land. But God said, you need to get up and you need to cross the Jordan. There weren't bridges, there weren't tunnels, there weren't anything like that in that day in the swelling, volume-driven river of the Jordan at that day. And you go on and you read in chapter 3 just how intense and swollen over the, the, the river of Jordan was at that day. And the, the great thing that happens is he says, you are going to follow the leaders. They're going to step into the water and the priest will step into the water and they'll be holding on to the Ark of the Covenant and then the water. Well, it doesn't say that. It just happens. See, the problem is, is we want to know all the steps in which God is going to provide all the way. Alright, you're going to part this water. You're going to heal this person. You're going to fix this problem. When you show me all the answers, God, then I will arise and then I will go. And God just said, Get up, Joshua, and go across the river. But it's when they got their feet wet, somebody had to get their feet wet before the water parted. When the feet were wet, then the water parted. You can read that in chapter 3, verse 13. The challenge for us today is, as God is calling you out of high school, out of college, out of wherever you are. Maybe this is a job change for you. Maybe you're considering a job change. As you think through all of these processes of life, as you think about relationships. Listen, is he, what is it that God's going to use you to do to affect change in somebody else's life? He's trying to call them out. One of my heroes in the faith is Andrew Murray, missionary to South Africa. said it like this whenever he was in the midst of God's will and he was struggling with God's will because sometimes God's will is not very easy. He said it like this. He said, God brought me here. It's by His will I am in this straight place. In that fact, I will rest. The second thing he learned, he will keep me here in his love and give me grace to behave as his child. Number three, the third thing he learned, these are the lessons that he learned by living out God's will, by crossing those Jordan rivers. Then he will make the trial a blessing, teaching me the lessons that he intends for me to learn. Number four, he said, in his good time, he will bring me out again. God has brought me here. He will preserve me and keep me here. He will give me a blessing of a trail someday as I am in here. But one day He will bring me out of here. And these were His concluding remarks. He said, So let me say, I am here by God's appointment, in His keeping, and under His training, and for this and for His time. A whole lot to listen to. But let me just give it to you in short. If God's calling you to stand up, if God's calling you to step out, do it. Let it you may get your feet wet, you may get your knee, you may be up to your knees and up to your waist before the water parts. And I don't know how God's going to provide whatever He's calling you to do, but just get up and step out. Get up and step out and wait God, wait for God to work. So the first thing that, that we see here is that there's an honor that we might be able to lead others where they've never been. But the second thing is that there is a challenge for leading where we have never been. Though, yes. Yes, Joshua had been there, but he had never led a group of people there. In fact, he couldn't even persuade ten other guys to agree with him. And now he's going to lead this entire people of Israel? God challenges him. I used to believe that you can't lead if you've never been somewhere yourself. What does an entrepreneur do? An entrepreneur, he starts where there's nothing and he creates something. What does a church planner do? He goes into a culture that maybe he does know or he doesn't know. Maybe he knows somebody, doesn't know somebody. He's starting with nothing. He's never been there. God may take some of you down a path that you've never been before and it's not comfortable and it's completely out of your box. And Jared said it well when he was praying for you. That God don't let them be in this box. What is it that God may be leading some of us to do that, that we've never been and we've never done Smith Wiggleworth, strange name I know, he was a British man who could not read until he was an adult. He could not speak publicly because he had a terrible stammer. But yet something happened in in his life that he was able to be one of the greatest evangelists ever to cover the the English island. And this is what he said in summary of his life. He said, great faith is the product of great fights. Great testimony are the outcomes of great tests. Great triumphs can only come out of great trials. That's a pretty powerful statement. Because what he's saying, he's saying, listen, we all want this glamorous Joshua kind of faith, but we don't want to go through the trials. We don't want to face the test. We don't want to face the hardships. But God does great things, but typically He takes us through the fires of life. He calls us out of our sleep. He calls us to rise up. He calls us to go into the Jordan. He calls us to step into places that we've never been before. And you know what He has to tell us to do? He tells us again and again, be strong and courageous. Three different times in this one passage of Scripture, He says it. Look at verse 6, be strong and courageous. Verse 7, only be strong and courageous. All the way down to verse 9, be strong and courageous. There are two things that are required of you if you're going to rise up to this challenge and you're going to face them in life. Some of you are going to have a vision to start a business someday. Maybe you'll be one who will invent a cure for something or discover a cure for something. You'll be an answer that God has in the link of somebody else's life. How are you going to do this? Because it's going to challenge you way, 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 way beyond your comfort zone. I'm going to say to you the same thing that God said to Joshua three times. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. You know what the thing is about strength? Strength is realizing I don't have the ability. I don't have the ability to do this. I need strength, God. I need your strength. Courage is, Courage is what cowards don't have. Courage is fear. Courage keeps us from being available. Being strong makes us able. Being courageous makes us available. Are you going to be strong and courageous? Are you going to be able and available? God wants to do some things in our lives that's way, 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 way beyond us, that's outside of our comfort zone, that's outside of our paradigm, that's outside of our dreams. Are we going to be willing to step up to it? If we're going to lead like Joshua, if we're going to graduate and make a real impact in this world, I believe we're going to have to look at Joshua and the way he lived his life. Terry Shook says it this way. He says, are you doing anything in your one and only life that only God can do? Good question. Are you doing anything in your one and only life that only God can do? Are you strong and courageous? Are you able and available for God to work in you? It happened in 1992 for me in an old Jewish synagogue in, on Poplar Street in Memphis. When I was sitting in seminary chapel one day and went in there like every other day in my heart, just ready to go through this, check this off my list and go back to class. But it was in that old synagogue where we were sitting for chapel and, and Dr. Steve Wilkes stood up on the platform that day and began to tell about a story of what God was doing in a place called the Ukraine. I couldn't find it on the map if you gave me all day. Okay, he told me about what was happening in the Ukraine, the former Soviet Union. I might have at least got into Europe. Okay, that's about as close as I could have got because I knew where Russia was. It was like two years or a year after the fall of the communist uh, 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 country of, uh, of the of the Soviet nations. And Ukraine was now its own independent country. And he began to tell about what God was doing there. And I began to hear on my heart, God was calling me to do something like that, maybe for just two weeks. Now, I tell you what, I have to give you the the, the background even more, is I couldn't stand missions. The only thing I thought about missions was, it was the guy who came on Wednesday night to church, had a thousand slides, had to go through all those slides before they could leave, and stood up in out-of-date clothing and told you boring stories. That was my concept of mission, and I wanted nothing to do with that. So here I am, and listening to this chapel, I'm like, oh, my lands. I'm feeling as if God is pulling me down the aisle to say, yes, I'm willing to go to the Ukraine for just two weeks. I mean, I had in college did everything I could, went to my advisor, because it was required in my degree to go on a two-week mission trip. I did everything I could to get out of that. In fact, I was able to get out of it by excusing creating this little class that I would do as an independent study. That's how unmotivated I was for missions. And now all of a sudden God's calling me out. And you know what I'm hearing? Not in these exact words. I'm hearing, Mike, just be strong and courageous. Just be strong and courageous. And that was in 1992. And I can't tell you all the events that have led up to now this year. But God has done a work in my life beginning on that day for missions and globalization and God's work around the world that you, if you're a member of Grace Point, know it continues to ripple. Now what is it? Because I heard God say, get up, go cross the Jordan, but I can't. Be strong and courageous. Be available. And let me give you the ability that you need to do it. He had to shape my will. I give you the third opportunity that was set before all of our graduates today, and it's the opportunity for success—success success in knowing that God is leading you. You're going to get all kinds of thoughts and ideas and from every direction and professor and thought and idea and life and mentor and whatever to what success looks like. But I want you early on in your life to establish as your as, as, as your paradigm, as, as, as your motivation, that real success in life is living the will of God. In fact, if you do that, God will consider you successful. God will make you successful. He tells us that. He tells it to us twice. Verse, First of all, in verse 7, he says, only be strong and courageous, be careful to do according to all that the law. And Moses, my servant, commanded you, do not turn from the right or to the left so that you may have success. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for when you, <clears throat> for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. Two different times. He mentions that we can have success in our life, but he tells us in this very clear passage of Scripture, as Joshua's venturing out into these unknowns, what is it that's going to mean success for me? What will be required of me if I'm going to be success? Number one is obedience to the master's plan. Be careful to do. Success for you and for me is not my plan, not the big company's plan, not the mother company's plan, not anything like that, not what your neighbors are putting out as the plan, but it's obedience to God's plan. If you notice right there, the very first verse that I read, verse 8, it says, it said, uh, be careful to do, would you underscore that in your your Bible? Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses said. It's somehow in in my life realizing that my blueprint for life is not what College professors hand down to me. It's not what I get at school. It's not what my friends give me. It's not what Madison Avenue feeds me. It's none of this stuff. It's realizing that I have a bigger plan, and a, a, a grander plan, a plan that's gone on for years, and that is to do according to what God has already said to do. And you can be a fisherman and do that. You can be an entrepreneur and do that. You can be an educator. You can be a lawyer. You can be a teacher. You can be anything. You can be a business leader. You can be a trash collector. You can be a ditch digger. You can be a pastor. You can flesh that out in so many different ways. But here's the key thing. Is am I on my plan or the master's plan? Do according to what I've given you. And then he said you'll have success. He says that it as a promise today. But the second thing that's required for success in our life is a daily diet on truth. There's all kinds of philosophies and beliefs and ways and thinking and new beliefs that are coming down the pipe, but he tells us in verse 8, he says, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Be careful to do according to all that is written. There's that, there it is again. Be careful to do according to all that is written in it for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. But here he is. Don't let these words depart from your mouth, but meditate on them day and night. I just challenge you, students, I don't want to speak to you specifically, but I speak to everybody as well. Study weekly, read daily. Meditate always. Would you write that down? Study it weekly. Read it daily. Meditate always. Take God's truth and let it be a diet. Well, you're studying it weekly, you're taking maybe an hour. Maybe you're in a group of men, if you're a man. Maybe you're in women, if you're women. Maybe you're in a by life group, whatever it is. If you find that connection and community, get into it and study it weekly. But read it daily. Let it be something that you wouldn't think of going out into this world without getting dressed. Don't go out into this world without being dressed in God's Word. Read it daily. But also meditate on it always. Always have a verse. Always have a phrase of a verse. Always have a chapter in a a book. Always have something that you are rolling over in your mind. You're chewing on it. You're meditating on it day and night. G.K. Chesterton said it so well, he said, the point of an open mind is like having an open mouth, is to close it on something solid. Have an open mind, it's like having an open mouth, but it's being able to close it down when you find something solid. Let this book be something that shapes your life. Okay, are you ready for the honor of leading people where they've never been? Are you up for the challenge? To go where you have never been. Are you ready for success? Success in knowing that God is leading the way. And you're on His track. You're on His plan. And you're obeying Him. You know what? I don't have a cool story to close out on. chosen their own path and they've done their own thing and they've whatever. They've gone their own way. But I think you can also listen to some of the stories of the people that are older than you in this room, that are older than me in this room, that are older than all of us, and you can hear hey, you know what? When I was with, on track with God, listen to this.